This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. Paul said in the epistle to the Ephesians, I thank God every time I remember you. And I'm going to begin with a story about uh, someone whom I thank God for every time I remember him, a saint who's gone before, one of the local saints of resurrection, the late husband of Deacon Margie, John Fawcett, who ministered to me the gospel truths that we heard proclaimed from Luke chapter 6. He ministered them to me at one of the most uh, low points of my life. So it was the junior year of college. Several months prior, I had ended a relationship, or someone had, the other person had ended the relationship with me. She broke up with me in a relationship that I had been convinced and we were even talking about was going to marriage. And in the course of the relationship and in the aftermath and in the breakup, I had sinned terribly against her and she'd sinned against me. But also the reason she broke up against me was with me because she remembered that the guy she had been dating the year before was the one she really wanted to be with. So, of course, there was a lot of sin that had passed between him and I as well. So at this time, we were preparing for the Saturday night vigil here at Resurrection. I didn't actually go to this, this church at that time, but John Fawcett hired me to play trumpet. And when she found out that I was going to be there playing trumpet, she was distraught because she was becoming a member of this church on that night during that service. And she also said, the other guy is playing on the music team with you. So I called John and I explained the situation to him and said, I am sorry to leave you in the lurch just a few days before this service. You know what John said to me? Pause for a moment. He said, you know, Brett, I see that what you're trying to do is, is an honorable thing. But the church is the one place in all the world where a brother and sister in Christ ought to be able to sit together in the same room, even if they've hurt each other very deeply, if they've forgiven each other. I think you should still play in this service. Perhaps he was thinking, because I don't have another trumpet, but no, I don't think so. <laughs> I think he understood something of God's heart, and he was ministering it to me in that time. He said, I think you should reconcile. I said, I hadn't considered that possibility. So I went to her, and we talked, and we confessed the ways that we had hurt one another, and we forgave one another. And we left that conversation, brother and sister in Christ. And then I went to him, and we confessed our mutual hatred for each other. Yes, I wanted you to die. Yes, I wanted to kill you. And we forgave one another. And there was a joy in that moment that I cannot explain to you. And even though the relationship had ended now months prior, and I'd even come to understand that was a good thing that it ended, there was a bitterness that remained with me, and in that moment, the bitterness was released and gave way to joy. And a few days later, at the Saturday night vigil, at the passing of the peace, be sure to know that the three of us found one another and exchanged the peace, and that was the most meaningful peace I'd ever exchanged. And I tell this story because John Fawcett is one of our resurrection saints, a holy man. Not perfect. You can ask Margie. She'll tell you. Not a perfect man, but a holy man. And he helped me in my own path 
to holiness and sainthood. He helped me be faithful to the teachings of Jesus to love someone who had deeply hurt me and to forgive. And it changed my life forever. And that brings us to the the twin purposes of the Feast of All Saints. First, we remember the saints who've gone before, who finished the race and are now with the Lord, and we call that the church triumphant. They finished the race and they've triumphed. They've run faithfully and well, and they are done. But we also consider the path of sainthood before each one of us because you and I are also called to holiness and to sainthood. We who are what's called the church militant, a reminder that we, while we are still on this earth, are in the spiritual battle yet. And this is why it is custom on the eve of All Saints Day or All Hallows Eve or Halloween for families to sit at table and at dinner time to tell the stories of the faithful family members who've gone before the people that we know in our lives that left a legacy of faithfulness. Because you see, All Saints Feast Day is not the feast day for Francis of Assisi or Catherine of Siena or Teresa of Avila, not the biggies. They have their own day somewhere else in the calendar. All Saints Feast Day is the feast day for the John Fawcett's and for Grandpa and Grandma and aunties and uncles and those who faithfully serve the Lord and are now with him in his presence. So we tell their story to our children. We also talk to our children about our own death. Someday I won't be here. And here are the hymns I would like at my funeral and the passages of Scripture I want read as a a yearly way to normalize death and as a way to remind ourselves the race we are running is brief and the finish line is already in sight. So yes, like Ash Wednesday, the Feast of All Saints is to bring us in mind of our mortality. So All Saints, it's a bottle of mortality with notes of penance and mortification of the flesh, whereas All Saints is a bottle of mortality with notes of joy and celebration as we look to the finish line and the reward of all that is to come. And so as we look to that finish line and we consider the race before us, that again brings us back to that second purpose, our own path to sainthood. We say, My time is short. I want to run, as Paul said, with perseverance the race before me. I want to give everything. I want to surrender it all. I want nothing to hold me back or hinder me. I want the prize of holiness to be what I'm after. This is why the gospel readings on all saints uh, are the Beatitudes, either from Matthew's gospel or today we heard from Luke's gospel. Because in all the scriptures, we would say, go there first. If you want to see the path to holiness laid out before you, go to Matthew 5, 6, and 7, or to Luke chapter 6, where you see the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is teaching about the path to holiness. And you'll read it, and you'll be terrified, and you'll think, I've barely even begun to be a Christian. And you'll say, Lord, have mercy. And he will have mercy. And then little by little, you'll begin to obey those teachings of Jesus, which means little by little, you will become a saint. Now, I'm not going to exposit a full passage of Scripture for us this morning, but if you want to open to Ephesians 1, we'll dig in just a little bit to our epistle reading this morning. 
In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul in verses 3 to 14, he's blessing God, a prayer of thanksgiving for all the blessings we've received in Christ Jesus. He's recounting the riches of our salvation. He's saying, thank you, God, for this. And then in verse 15, he turns it to a prayer of intercession for the Ephesians to whom he's writing. And he says, God, I pray for them that you would give them the qualities of spiritual wisdom and revelation. That is, that you would open up something to them. You would give them something, reveal to them knowledge that is, of course, deeper than just knowledge up here. Uh, knowledge of our whole being, an experiential knowledge, the kind of knowing that you would say, I know someone, I know a person. He's saying, I want them to know three things, hope, riches, and power. And then at the end of the chapter, he goes on to say, these are tied to, they come from the resurrection of Jesus and his ascension. Jesus, who of all the saints, the saint of saints, the one who has triumphed and gone before us, in his resurrection and ascension, promises that we will follow where he has gone before. So Paul says to the Ephesians, I want you to know hope because of the resurrection and ascension. Jesus said to his disciples, because I live, so shall you live. And where I go, you will follow. And this is why we can speak of our death to one another and to our children without fear, because we can remind one another, if you are in Jesus, when you die, life is not ended. It is merely changed. And all that is to come is infinitely and indescribably so much better than all that we've yet experienced. Which leads to the second thing Paul is saying, I want them to know. I want them to know the riches of the glorious inheritance among the saints. All the good things yet to come. Normally, you receive an inheritance when somebody else dies. This is the inheritance you receive when you die. And Paul is saying, even though this is yet a future reality, even now I want for you to know something of it, to know what is in store, and even to begin experiencing it like right before you taste something that is delicious, the pungent aroma meets your sense of smell and you experience it through smell even before you experience it through taste. He says, I want you to know something of all the good things that are yet to come so that no matter how bad it may get in this life on earth, you have something to hold on to. That's why Jesus said the poor are blessed. The poor and the hungry are blessed because they get this. They say, there's not much for me in this life. I will hold on to the hope that Jesus gives me that there is so much more yet to come. And of course, Paul says, I also want power. I want you to know the power of the resurrection, that earth-shattering, cosmos, upside-down, turning power that raised a man fully dead back to life, but not just resuscitated, which has happened before, but alive never to die again. That has never happened before Jesus. Paul says, I want you to know that power, but not just the resurrection, that he also ascended that he is now sitting on the throne in glory, name above every other name, power over every other power in this life, in this age, and forevermore, so that you know you have a friend in high places. You have access to that power even now as you run this race for perseverance, for strength, 
That power of Jesus is yours now, and I want you to know it, Paul says. That Jesus, when he left his disciples, said, all authority in heaven and earth is given to me, and I share it with you. Go to all the world and preach, baptize, and disciple. So hope, riches, power. And in our final minutes here, I want us to turn to that inheritance piece specifically. We're talking about the earth, the heavenly inheritance that awaits us. But also on all saints, as we're thinking about those who've gone before us, we think about the earthly heritage that we've received from the generations before us in our family, in our culture. And I want us to ponder our earthly heritage and give to you this message of hope this morning that the Lord can redeem your earthly heritage. Because it's true that while many good things come to us from those who've gone before, many not-so-good things come to us as well. And when we surrender those to Jesus, he says, I will transform those things. I will change and conform them more and more so that they reflect that heavenly inheritance that is coming. So I'm half Dutch. And my folks went to Holland this summer, and when they came back and started telling me about their experience, things about my life started making sense to me. They said, they're in Holland. Every day at lunch, they eat bread and cheese. And I said, I love bread and cheese. I could eat it every, every day and, and not grow tired of it. They also said, in Holland, everybody rides their bikes, and they ride so fast that you seem like, it seems like they're going to get in a crash, but they never do. And it recalled to mind my college days when I terrorized my whole campus. People always thought I was going to run into them. I wanted to shout out, no, I won't run into you. And I never did, except that one time. <laughs> they said, everybody lives really close together, but they don't close their living room curtains. I said, Julie and I for four years lived on a really busy street. We always kept our living room curtains open. But the one that was really revelatory for me, the aha, you must know about me, Whenever I go to a beach, whether it's Lake Michigan or the ocean, as soon as I hit the sand, I instinctively start digging into the sand, making channels and rivers. And if there's a stream flowing there, I, I try to redirect the course of the stream. It embarrasses Julie to no end. You're a grown man, she will say. And then I realized when my parents described their, their uh, going through the countryside of Holland, of course. It's full of canals and dikes, and they significantly altered the shoreline of the North Sea. I can't help it. It's, it's in my blood. <laughs> and of course, there are things more significant and, and below just those superficial things, right? Among the Dutch, there is a right way to do things usually synonymous with the Dutch way of doing it. You'll hear things like, oh, well, that wouldn't be the Dutch way of doing that. That cultural trait, fully submitted under the lordship of Jesus, becomes a zeal for righteousness. I want to do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. Lord, I want to honor you. My heritage as a Dutchman, my heritage is of those who fear the Lord. And that's a good thing. But that same cultural trait, when it is not submitted to Christ, very quickly becomes a rigid legalism that is deadly to the soul. It's vapid. 
and destructive. And so as you consider your earthly heritage, what are those cultural traits or even those family of origin traits? The Lord says, I can redeem your earthly heritage. I can transform it till it looks more like your heavenly inheritance. Now, pressing in one step further, are there aspects of your cultural heritage, traits about your family of origin, or even things about your personality, proclivities, aspects of you that feel like they were given to you, you did not necessarily choose them, and you wish they weren't there? Are there things about yourself that you don't like? I think the Lord has an invitation to you this morning. Give those things to me. Let me redeem them. Give me those things. Along with all of your earthly heritage, everything you've received from those who've come before, put them into my hands. And those things that can be turned towards good will be turned towards good. And those things that are merely weights and burdens, I will set you free from. Even the sins of your family tree, I will break off and utterly remove you from those. You are not doomed to repeat the sins of those who've gone before you. Jesus says, give them to me. I will plunge them under my cleansing blood. You will be free to live a new life and to have a different story. So on this All Saints Day, as we remember the saints who've gone before us, and particularly the John Fawcett's and those local saints, as we consider also our path to sainthood, our path to holiness, let us give to Jesus all of our earthly heritage that he might transform it to be more like our heavenly inheritance that you might know what is the hope to which you've been called, the riches of your glorious inheritance among the saints, and that power that is available to you that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him on high. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. As part of that vision, we love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. For more of what you heard today, check out the rest of our podcast. To learn more about our ministry, visit churchres.org.